Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another Coleman Had a Dream podcast. I am joined as ever by Ruth. Hi, Ruth. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Not quite as ever, though. I managed to skip a week last week, didn't I? You did. You pulled a sickie last week, which, uh, you know, in principle, I was obviously disappointed by. But uh, the fact that you were replaced so ably by Gwenan Harris was uh, was very much a bonus, I'll be honest. Yeah, it was, it was a great podcast, actually, and I enjoyed listening to her. Her emphasis on her there, not you two. Well, her. yeah, <laughs> I'm not sure what else you're expecting. <laughs> well, my aim for this week is not to compare you to a bag of potatoes, which was not one of my finest moments. I don't really know where that came from, to be honest. I mean, I know I'm stupid, but I feel like even by my standards, that was uh, uh, really, really stupid. Well, bless her, Gwen, and kept on going, didn't she? <laughs> yeah, she said she even took it as a compliment because she works on the farm, which is uh, just goes to show the consummate professional that she is uh, compared to uh, an idiot like me. Um, so, ladies and gents, we're here to talk to you today about the Wales squad that has been announced for the games against the Czech Republic in Prague and Estonia in Tallinn. We're going to talk through the squad a little bit. Uh, we're going to fire through some of your questions and address a few other issues as well. Um Ruth, I suppose the most obvious place to start is probably Sorba Thomas, I think, getting his first call-up. Yeah, I mean, I think of, of the... Well, I think he's only the, new, the potential uh, first new cap in a little while by our standards, isn't it? Um, so, well, I mean, given how he's been playing for Huddersfield, I don't think you can ignore him. I mean, it's a meteoric rise. He was still with Boreham Wood at the start of the year, wasn't he? Um one goal, four assists in the in the championship games so far this season. I, I mean, I think it's unfortunate that it's another sort of right-sided attacking midfielder slash forward. We do seem to... It's almost like we've somehow got a cloning system going on <laughs> on these guys. Um, but you're not going to say no to someone who... And, and clearly he's excited about it. I've enjoyed... Yeah. Watching his, you know, his Instagram account, and I liked his little um, FIFA card that was that, that was, was changed good. to having a, a thrive gork on it, and you know those those sorts of things. And uh, um, I, I think if someone's, you know, playing at the level where he he got player of the month in the championship, you definitely can't ignore him. No, I agree. I think he's he's someone who deserves his call up in the sense that he's obviously had a great start to the season. Obviously, is excited to represent us. That that FIFA card and his general reaction to it all, in fact, has just been brilliant. I would just maybe exercise some caution. I, I just I wonder, like, how many people have actually seen him play, and people are saying, "Yeah, this is great news." I'm not, I'm like, I'm one of them. I've never seen him play. I know pretty much nothing about him in a footballing sense. So, I do just hope that we kind of. Uh, maintain a lid on things either because like you say he was playing for Boreham Wood last year and I think we need to curb our enthusiasm perhaps a little bit yeah I mean I think he's he's definitely going to be a depth player isn't he particularly on in the in the position we're looking at um I watched him in the the Reading game and he was very impressive actually he was easily the best player on on the field and was creating chances and, and scored a goal as well um so I can I can see the attraction, and I think he's a, assuming that that's the level of play he he can produce consistently. Then he's a nice adept addition to the squad. Yeah, I, I suppose what I'm getting at there is I don't want people to kind of get super excited. Why isn't he playing on on you know in in a couple of weeks' time and and all this sort of stuff? I think as you say, we need to remember he's there for depth purposes ultimately. Maybe as a spark to change the game, but I th- 
I think perhaps on that side he's maybe behind maybe Di Brooks even in the queue. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would, I would put, yeah, I would have him behind behind Brooks at the minute. You don't know what the season might bring, but um, and you know, David Brooks does pick up knocks and things, so you know, there's no harm in us have there's no harm in us having more depth. Uh, but I think, some, as you say, some perspective there. Um, I think with the more depth conversation is what I want to have because I've been thinking about Luke Jeffcott again not getting called up. Um, and I've been thinking about it this afternoon as, as to reasons why. I'm going to present you a theory, Ruth, and I, and I wondered if, uh, you know, as a scientist, you might uh, want to prove or disprove my theory. I, I've kind of gone through and, and looked at a few stats and a few bits and bobs. He scored five goals this season. Um scored against Doncaster uh, very, very recently. So you'd look at it from the outside and think, why is he not getting in? What's he, what's he kind of doing wrong? But the, the, the question in his level, uh, in terms of the level he's playing every week, is probably one part of that. Um, I wonder if they're kind of looking at this from two perspectives. And again, maybe I'm kind of overreaching, but there's no reason he shouldn't be involved when you're looking at some of the younger players we, we have used over the, over the years. So I'm going to use Dunn Levitt as an example of someone who came into the squad and who people, myself and I think you included, Ruth, who said he's not ready, why are we doing this? He shouldn't be having a chance. You know, we've got other people in that position, blah, 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 blah. And it's probably knocked his confidence. He's not really done that much on loan up until now, to be fair. He does seem to be playing well. He played well against Celtic on the weekend. So maybe there's an element of thinking, well, if we keep chucking people in, do, do, do some fans, and as I, and I'm holding my hand up, I include myself in that, kind of react that way every time we do it. By the same token, I wonder if they question his readiness for international football. He's played five times for the under-21s, and I've seen, I think, three of those. I was going back and looking at I think three of those, and I think he's played really, really well every time. But he hasn't scored. And if if we're looking for someone as a key for more replacement, which is effectively what he is, are the Wales management team saying if he can't score under 21 level for Wales and lead the line, etc., etc., what makes us think he's able to do that at full senior level? And I appreciate there's exceptions, Colwell, Harris, and so on. But those are my two theories that I've come up with so far, which I do think, by my standards, are actually quite logical and reasonable. So, um, would you kind of agree with those, or maybe have anything to disprove what I'm saying? I think the the difficulty is we need a substitute for more. It was it was very evident in the last window that we become a weaker offensive side without him. And when you go back through the stats, we're scoring goals when he's there and we're seldom scoring goals when he isn't. And I think Bale's hat trick kind of skews that data point when it, you know, when it shouldn't. We don't, we, we rarely score goals without Kiefer Moore at the minute. And if that is proving to be an effective style of play for us, we need to be able to substitute someone for Kiefer Moore when he's not available you know, case in point, the last window. And on paper, as you say, Jeffcott appears to be the best sort of ready alternative, as it were, that from a style of play point of view, how he operates on the field, holding up the ball, all of that sort of thing. He looks like the best option 
So I think my frustration, not that I'm saying you bring him in and you play him, but you you can see, and I think Leber is an interesting example, where bringing him in and giving him some exposure, yes, there's an argument you threw him in at the deep end and it affected but he's come out of that. And I think how he played in the Finland game made us sit up and say, actually, I can see why there might be, have been some perseverance here. And what disappoints me about Jeffka is when we're not trying to equip him in the same way as we appeared to try and equip Levitt. And we don't know what the next problem is going to be. And I don't like the fact that we're not even trying to mould him, trying to give him the exposure, trying to get him ready to substitute for more. Even if we don't think he's capable at the minute, we're not doing anything to make him capable, if that's what we've decided. And I, so I think I think that's where my issue lies with not including him. I, I do know what you're saying, and, and I, in, in principle, at least agree with a lot of it, especially the, the replacement for more. And like you said, that was glaringly evident in the last window. I wonder if there's another side to this, which is, is the perception of him that A, because he's a big, tall lad, and he's good in the air, and he is all of those things, that he will be able to play that same role as Kiefer Moore. Because when I've seen him, he actually likes to come a little bit deeper than Moore, I would say, and bring others into play rather than just be a pure target man, if you like. So maybe there's that side of it as well. They think his style of play, the way he likes to play, won't fit in. I, I agree with you in, in, in principle in regards to the how he is being moulded moving forward. I, I think that's a very, very fair point. Then I would also say the flip side to that is, I'm sure Rob Page and the gang would argue that Paul Bowden is doing a very good job of moulding him as an international footballer at under-21 level where he's going to continue to get more game time. I, I think... Something else, Dave. I just wonder, he ended up missing the, the 21 games in September through covid and I wonder whether there is there is perhaps more strategy than I'm allowing for in that, you know, they want to give him X more games with the under 21 before they bring him up. And may, uh, maybe that's had to be pushed back a window because he missed September. Yeah, I, I think that's perfectly feasible. But it could be that there's a strategy there that is just come on hold a little bit because of because of that yeah i think that's i think that's i think that's reasonable i i think i i i would my ultimate question in all of this is that it doesn't seem to be addressed in the same way that recently there was the thing the big call-up thing for doidge that that wasn't really addressed and don't get me wrong rob page doesn't need to come out and explain why every single person he hasn't picked hasn't been picked because you know it'd be talking about you and I why we're not playing up front you know so I, he doesn't need to do that for, for the record I think would make a great partnership Ruth um, <laughs> um, but I think that Sorry, I'm not to visualize that. <laughs> I, I, I was going to say I was going to say maybe would make a great Tosh, I can Keegan we are 
not. I was going to say we'd make a great big man little man combination, but I wouldn't like to venture down the road of who's the big man and who's the little man in this uh, in this in this scenario. Um, I forgot what I was going to say. Oh yeah, I, I I don't think he needs to do that per se, but I think in the instance that we're in now, I think it's a perfectly valid question, especially given Moore's absence from the last set of fixtures why that isn't something that we are potentially looking to address here and 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 this is i would describe as a, as a wider problem realistically moving moving on i just wonder if they think if plan a is key for more doesn't work that plan b playing the false nine type person which should probably be tyler roberts if that is the plan that they're willing to persevere on for now because they see tyler roberts is in a better stage of his development in terms of what they think he can do for Wales. Do you know what I mean? And again, I, I personally I, don't I agree with that. But... A, I, I think that's reasonable. But then you look at how we played against Estonia and we were playing, particularly when we were getting a little bit ragged in the last 30 minutes, we were playing like we had Keith for more front. Yeah. So it's as though we, we haven't, Embedded that alternative either. I mean, I I, I agree. I I would look. Um, I'm just furiously scrolling through questions we've been sent today, um, because obviously this question, which to be fair we've talked about a few times, does centre on our style of play. I suppose is the is the crux of the issue. Uh, Kylan Straker-Jones has messaged and said, I'll be better off in a 4-3-3 with two attacking eights rather than a 4-2-3-1 with two defensive midfielders, especially against teams like Estonia. Now, obviously, this window is going to be a little bit different in that the, the, the game in Prague is going to be uh, a much more higher level, perhaps, shall we say, than the game against Estonia, where I think we're, we're going to be expected to take the game to the opposition a little bit. Um I wonder if, ultimately, we do need to have both of those things in, in action, one as a plan A and one as a plan B, so that if Kiefer Moore does come off or can't play, and I would give the, the Denmark game in the Euros as my, my favourite example, where we brought Kiefer Moore off and we were still crossing the ball into the box. Like, tactically, that's bad. So I wonder if we maybe need to have both of these things up our sleeve as alternate plan A's, if you like. So initial plan A doesn't work. We can still switch it in a way that uses those two attacking eights, which is my personal preference, I think, um, against teams like Estonia, so that we are more creative and more offensive and it doesn't solely rely on Kiefer Moore. Does that make sense? I've, I think I've asked you about 36 questions in one there, but if you can answer, <laughs> if you can, if you can answer one of them, that'd be great. Yeah me in there somewhere uh, but my preference is, is for a four two three one system generally with the one being more and probably Ampadu and Alan as two and then some combination of whoever's fit on the day for the three um, the difficulty I think is what combination of if we go for a slightly more if we go for the two number eights where are the goals coming from i think is my my concern i think we would still play in in that system though with Kiefer Moore up front but instead of just kind of going long to him and he being the only one up there we can have i would say that more people around him so that if he does need to come out of the team 
or is injured or whatever, then we can still play that system. He can play it as well, but someone else can fit in there as well. So we're not solely reliant on it, I guess. I think realistically moving forward, the the four two three one is probably the most logical way, especially again against the Czech Republic in Prague. But I think the four three three option, and I'm and relatively we're splitting hairs, but I think the four three three option suits us in a way which means that we can play with him and without him. Yeah, I mean, I can I can see the merit. I think the problem at the moment is we don't we haven't really demonstrated we can play without him, or at least we can't score without him. So I think my concern is is this sort of tandem track that feels so disparate, and I don't think it helps when we're planning for the track that has more involved and then suddenly isn't, which is exactly what happened in the last window, and we don't seem to be able to embed a more sort of fluid three at the front and actually get it settled part of that might be just the mess we're having with injuries and you know the turnover at the front there and yeah. getting 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 some trios to actually play together so it's not perhaps as clear-cut as just intentions you know the intention might be there but that we've not been able to really embed it um but i think I, I think there's the tension that we haven't unpicked as a, as a, as a coaching team of um, if we're pl- if we're playing the more style as it were with one up front um, that seems to be working for us but when we have to go to the three at the front because he's not available we've not been able to really get that solidified. Um, and I think that became evident in the Estonia game where we were sort of playing like that without really being able to, to it's, it's not that we didn't create things, but, but without being sort of clinical with it. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I, like, it's obviously an interesting question. We've had a couple of questions in this sort of vein. Simon Evans asks, is Kiefer more, more important than Bale? to Wales at the moment obviously the hat-trick against Estonia as you say is maybe the outlier in those facts but I mean you'd 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 have a reasonable case to make an argument of that I mean are we going into the Czech Republic game stronger than the Estonia game on the basis that the fact that Kiefer Moore's here that plays into the into the way we play as well in the same way that um, Alid Thomas asks at what point do we start preparing for Bale Ramsey and Alan not to be playing as a default um, and kind of plan around them, and again, again, that feeds into that four three three four two three one type conversation, because if we're taking away, let's say, Allen or Ramsey, who's at, you know if Ramsey's at the at the number ten spot and he's not there anymore, then we do need the two holding midfielders. If one of them's not Allen because he's injured, as might be the case in this window, then do we need to readdress how we're thinking of the whole thing? So I guess the point from those two questions to make to give you a very long-winded question, Ruth, is uh, are we kind of at a bigger point of transition here than we perhaps recognise? Just to rewind a sec to the Kiefer Moore versus Bale and, and their relative importance, I think we've also got to acknowledge that Kiefer Moore's not had a great start to the season. So I think we've got to be careful that we don't pile on this idea that Sometimes somehow he's going to kind of you know parachute in this window and, and solve all our problems either. Um, I think I'm starting to lean towards the key for more be more important as much because 
if you just look at Bale as just from a playing point of view, we have other players that can do a lot of what Gareth Bale does. I think there's a psychological element of having Gareth Bale on the field where he kind of just picks up a game and drags us through. What happened in the last window with that hat is a very obvious example of that. And I think you do miss that when he's not around. But in terms of like 90% of what he can do on the pitch, we've got other players that can help deliver that. We don't have someone that can do 90% of what Kiefer Moore does. And so I think that's the 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 situation where he might be more important than Bale, ironically. Um, to go back to the, the more general question, the sort of transition question, I think it's coming, and I think it's coming quicker than we we hoped. Um, you know, G- Gareth is is clearly teetering from one soft tissue injury to the next. Ramsey seems to be the same. Um, Alan, I, I think his, I think it's more that his play is just dropping off, really. I think the years and the wear and tear yeah. might be getting to Joe Allen. Um, and I don't think we can assume that we can rely on them in the way that we've had to for the last, I don't know how many years, dozen years perhaps. And so I think you're right. I think there's... There's more upheaval here than perhaps we want to acknowledge. Yeah, I guess that's the real thing. I, I was surprised, uh, you know, I, I would be surprised, sorry, to see Alan start both games just on the basis that he's, I know he's been injured from from the last Stoke game. Um, and he's, he's talking about not sure whether he'll make this game. And I think that is a, you know, if, if that had happened three years ago, I think we would be, everyone would be, oh my God, no bail, no Alan. Everyone would be having, you know, be losing their minds, and it's kind of gone under the radar a little bit that Joe Allen's been injured of late. And I think again, that perhaps says a lot about the situation. Um, I think it's it's going to be really, really, you know, two very, very difficult games. Great to see Connor Roberts back, though. I don't know what kind of what level he will be at or how much he'll be able to play, but great to see him back in the squad. Yes, I mean, he's. Uh, I'd be surprised if we see him, or perhaps we see him for more than. A, almost like a run out in the last 20 minutes with in the in, you know perhaps if the result is going the way we hope in Estonia to, as much to give him a run out for Burnley's sake as, yeah. as anything else um in that game but I'd be surprised if we see him but then equally Nico Roberts is just coming back just started training again um so you know perhaps Guntz is still in that right back position with those two yeah. Aren't ready to go. I would think so on the basis yeah. that Gunter is at least playing regularly at the moment, and and Nico Williams as 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 good as he is capable of being, you know, he's shifted down the peck in order behind someone else. I forget their name at Liverpool now in the in that kind of reserve right back spot, if you like. So I I do think yeah. that perhaps that is the most likely outcome there. And I think I wouldn't be surprised to see Connor is called up just as a, let's check in, let's see what the physios are, let's see if we can help you out, bit of change of scenery for your recovery. And if you can train a bit and, you know, we can give you 10 minutes, we will. Um, and it's kind of a bit of a win-win, yeah. both for Burnley and Although the Although Gunther hasn't the played the last two league games either, so, you know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know I, what's going on. I would say that, that I'd rather him be playing... The, he's at least played a good amount of games, I think, should we say, this yeah. season. Yeah. Um, interesting that Ben Cabango isn't in. Yeah. I thought he was an interesting addition. 
Yeah, I mean, I guess the argument there would be that he's not really had much game time for, for Swansea this season is, the, is, is my only logic I can come up with there. Yeah, but there seems to be a fair few across that back line that fall into that category. I find it interesting that he's the one that's missed out. Yeah, I mean, it's a good question. I, I suppose with a lot of these things, I suppose we have to... We have to assume there's a logical reason for it. Do you know what I mean? I think at the back there, you can make the argument that we've probably got two players comfortably for every position. You know, whether you like them or not is, a, is I suppose, a different is a different argument between James Lawrence, Lockyer, Mepham, uh Rodden, obviously Ben Davis, who can play in a selection of different positions, as can Chris Gunter, Nico Williams, Norrington Davis, Ampadu can play centre half. I, I think in those ways there, there's a good variety, I suppose, in terms of options. So, do we need in inverted commas another defender there, maybe? Yeah, no, I can I can see. You know, once you get up to twelve. Is there a point in having twenty nine? I just, I, I just thought he was an interesting omission from the from that group. Um, I suppose the argument would be if you're in a real emergency, you move Ampadu back because you've got more choice as a, a second defensive midfielder. Perhaps you're happier with putting, you know, Smith or Lever in, um, particularly Smith if if that was the positioning. Um, perhaps feels a more comfortable. <sighs> like last-ditch situation than putting Cabango in um, at, at the back if you were, really, you know, if numbers really, um, really pushed it. I thought Tom Lawrence's omission was an interesting one as well. Um, I mean, obviously, captaining Derby at the minute must be an absolute nightmare. Perhaps, he, perhaps the poor lad just needs a week yeah. off. Yeah, he needs um, quite a couple of days. But, but equally, I, I, you know, I, He's, he's showing some increased maturity in what are obviously very difficult circumstances at that club at the moment. Um, and I know we've both got reservations about, you know, him as a person, but I do, I do think when you look at the times he has been included versus being omitted now, there's, there seem those two things seem out of step really. No, I do know what you mean. Um, it's, it's an interesting one. And, you know, I, I'm not going to, rake over old ground and, and, and reshare my views on the situation necessarily. I, I I would guess that maybe the logic is, you know, we're talking about transition. Do we really want another person who's of a certain age who's really only going to be able to give us something for, what, maybe a year? And you've got people like Zorba Thomas, for example, Mark Harris, Ruben Colwell coming through. Is it worth taking a place off them in the final match day squad? For someone like Tom Lawrence, who, who probably won't feature much anyway, is it probably more valuable to give those game people game time? That would be my logic, uh, you know. Aside from my uh, my general dislike of the man. No, I mean I, I I can see that, and I think as as we were saying a second ago, when you get twenty eight, is plenty. Yeah. Um, but I do I do think his sort of versatility and adaptability might have been handy at the minute. No, I I, I can see that. I just. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I do wonder with a lot of this stuff, you know, are we do we kind of overanalyze this a little bit as well? I saw some <laughs> some people saying in the you know this you know this needs to be a good announcement for for Pagey. You know, he's got some people he's not who aren't sure about him. He needs to kind of convince a few people. Well, I'm not sure 
convincing him with their with the squad is necessarily the way to do it. So I do think there's a lot of things that are kind of up in the air with it all as well. And I think you know we are overanalyzing it, and we we are doing that as much as anyone. Um, to 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 look at the the games, uh, obviously not we're not uh, you know an in depth pr- pr- preview just yet, but. Um, in terms of those games, obviously the Czech Republic is is going to be the hardest one, I would say, and 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 is in, in terms of the context of it being a massive game as well, is is going to make it even more kind of difficult. Lots of pressure there. Um, there's going to be the red wall there as an away as away fans for the first time in a long time, which I think is fantastic. Um, so you know it's going to be a very very difficult game. Obviously they lost to Belgium three 0 last time around. Uh, they obviously uh, they drew with Ukraine in a friendly and beat Belarus one 0 as well. So um, it's it's I think we are very very evenly matched with them. I think. Yeah, I mean that was reflected in our, in our game at home in, in March. It's you know it could have gone either way. Really, we probably just deserved. The nod, but it was it was a nail biter, obviously. So I think, um, yeah, I think it's it's just going to be a tough, tough game for us, particularly when you look at the uh, the potential injury questions. I'm I'm actually very worried about the back line and the and the number of players who are who are either not getting minutes with their clubs or um, we haven't seen them for a while, so they've not been involved. You know, there's just this ongoing question about right combination back there i think it's it's a very debatable scenario i think everybody being equal everything being equal the sort of front five six we, we kind of know what we're doing it's the uh it's that it still seems very fluid and and um unsettled at the back yeah, I, I would agree with you. I think it's it's just such a difficult and complex thing to, to kind of guess at how these games are going to go in the context of who's playing games, who's not, who's in form, who's not, who's recovering from injury. There's so many questions and unanswered uh, and unknowns, sorry, um, that it kind of makes it really difficult and, and complex to, to get right. I just wonder if, had the way things have gone, we would realistically end up taking a point from here where you would maybe have looked at this before and thought we should be able to go here and win. I I think I would settle for a point right now, all things considered. Um, You know, yeah, if we we can take four points out of the six in the games with them, on paper, you'd feel that that would put us in a good place. The problem, of course, is what happened in the last window against Estonia, which is, which has put us on the, on the back foot a bit, but I think um, in, in isolation, looking at the two jet check games, if we can if we can take four points, that has that has to be good in and of itself. I think the the problem now is we've let we've left ourselves needing, ideally needing more than that. Uh, but I think out there in Prague, with a a, a full house. Um, I think a draw would actually be a really good result. Yeah, I, I agree. And I mean, we said this about the, the, the game previous with Estonia, but after the result at home, the away game now really does become a must win, doesn't it? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, I am uh, going out to Prague uh, with uh, with two of my pals. Looking forward to the game. I'm hopefully going to meet a few people out there as well. Um I'm going to take my Coleman Had a Dream flag with me. So if you do see that as, we, as you're knocking about the streets of Prague, please do come and please don't come and say hello. The dog apparently is not happy about that. Um, 
but yeah, it's um, it, it's something I'm really looking forward to. I think we should mention just briefly the importance, perhaps, of the Red Wall being out there, not just um, for the players, but also for kind of for us as well as a, as a fan group, because I do think we make a, a big difference as a as an away group. Yes, no, I think I think there's uh, there's such a positive impression that the Red Wall makes whenever it's I think in terms of um, us being sort of back on the international app as it were was such a part of that and I, it does make a difference to the players I, even a small number makes a difference I think it's important for these games that we're able to get what is it about 1200 in the, in the stadiums so um, the and obviously folks that are going they're, they're jumping through the hurdles and there's all the COVID protocols and tests and all that sort of stuff so I understand it's a it's a big uh, it's a big undertaking for people as well so um, just great, grateful folks have got the opportunity but also grateful that folks are, are taking the opportunity under what is difficult circumstances still yeah I agree I think you know it's going to be exciting that people can be out there um, sorry the dog is chewing my chair <laughs> Yeah, I think I think all in all, and so it begins. Okay, okay, we're gonna try. I really don't think he's gonna last much longer. So, well, ladies and gentlemen, I think uh, due to unforeseen circumstances, we're gonna have to uh, pause here. I'm currently, I've got my dog on my lap. I don't know if I can do some sort of screenshot of this to share on online or something. But I've got the dog on my lap. I'm holding the microphone stand in my hand to get this done. Uh, and Ruth is, uh, is is having a breakdown. So I think we're going to have to call it quits for, for this week. Um, we'll be back, um, hopefully, with some sort of full preview next week, depending on how we go. And, uh, and we will definitely be back with a full review of the game uh, as well, as well as looking forward to some of the women's games that are coming up. Uh, we recognise there's lots of stuff we've missed today. We haven't talked about bail or... Noel Mooney and the strategic plan from the FAW, but all of these things will hopefully be coming, uh, will be coming again soon. So uh, we apologise for the shorter than usual podcast this week. Blame the dog. Um, stop it. Um, but we will uh, be back very, very soon uh, for a full preview and more Wales talk. Thank you for listening. Hola. Uh, he's just stepped on my balls. Uh, thank you for listening and good night. Thank you. Bye, Ruth. <laughs>